Welcome to the Green Majority, CIUT 89.5 FM. You know what I'm talking about. This is Toronto's only independent radio station on the FM dial. And we are the Green Majority. The Green Majority is Canada's longest-running environmental news hour is what we tell ourselves. And you also listen to us on your local community radio station. And my name is David Hostetter. I'm Stefan Hostetter. And I'm Lauren Hostetter. And this week is, of course, the glorious, the beautiful, the endlessly exciting fundraising drive for the station. We are looking for a cool hundred grand of your money. So if any of you out there wants to write us a blank check, spring has sprung here in in the dot. And I'm assuming also in Ottawa, where Lauren Latour currently is. It seems as though there are reasons to live again. Not only are there reasons to live, the the earth itself is booming, blooming, and teeming with uh, its glorious bounty. The greens, the yellows, the pinks, the purples, the lavenders. Am I, am I right or am I spot on? I mean, like right now it's teeming, but we all know we are in the midst of uh, six extinction. Facts are not where it's at, folks. Facts are not the meat. The meat is in the splendor of the soul. If you do want to call in and donate, which we'll be telling you to do all throughout this show, you can do so by going to CIUT 89.5 FM and clicking Donate. It's right there on the homepage. You'll also find right below that a whole list of some of the great prizes, including some bikes from Everyday Bikes, some uh, tickets to Northern Lights Festival, Boreal, uh, and some other great goodies. But below that, you will find something to something called Tune In. Dave, do you know what Tune In is? I do, and I also know that your pronunciation of Boreal there was amazing. Uh, that little that little tongue click, indicative of a of a beautiful mouth. Tune In. I have heard. I believe those attending that event will be imbued with a, a time a timeless, endless, guaranteed eternal joy. Yeah. So, of course, if you've been listening to the show previously, you know that TuneIn is the fundraiser that we here at The Green Majority are putting on for CIUT, which you can go to by just going to CIUT.fm, scrolling down and clicking the Eventbrite link. You will hear music during this hour from bands and musicians that are playing uh, at TuneIn. You will hear from us because we'll all be there. And you will... If you attend, we'll be joined by a huge, ever-growing list of amazing community organizations. Each day, a new one is added, and so you're going to meet some of the best people. So it's really a great chance to come out and support CAUT, but also to envision what a joyful Toronto can be, because, you know, that can feel, that can feel hard these days. That can feel really hard these days, as the rest of the show will include some less joyful news. We want you to know that you can come back and reclaim that joy on May 18th uh, at TuneIn. So you can do that. And if you can't come to the event but still want to support it, you can donate uh, to us, which will go to helping us cover the cost of the venue. 
which will be very helpful as well. So if you can't make it but still want to support us, please do you do that. You can do that by going to CIUT.FM or by calling during any of the music breaks. And if you call during the music breaks, you will get to talk to either Dave or I. We'll be on the phones. So you can do that too. We'll let you know how to do that in a short second. But before I do any of this, I'm going to ask both of you a simple question, which is what is something that you do in your city that brings you joy? Starting with you, Lauren. Being able to bike around my city and take advantage of the honestly incredible bike infrastructure that has developed. I remember when I first moved here, I was honestly pretty unimpressed with the bike infrastructure. I was really unimpressed with um, how drivers on the road and how pedestrians reacted to cyclists. And it's been incredible to see sort of that shift just even in the last few years. Um, I did a really fun thing with a friend with friends a couple of weeks ago um, on Indie Bookstore Weekend. We decided to bike around to all the independent bookstores in town. And we were able to get to and from each store really easily using using cycling infrastructure. The routes were quick and simple and easy to access and easy to navigate and honestly felt safe the entire time. And it was really fun. And it didn't matter that it was pouring rain and we were out there for hours in the cold. We had a blast. And that is in large part due to the awesome community organizations working so hard to make sure that that there's networked, um, robust, safe, and accessible cycling infrastructure within Ottawa. So shout out to those organizers and shout out to all of the people that have made it happen because we are slowly but surely moving away from being a city that is as reliant on um, personal motor vehicles. It's funny how often the answer related to cycling has come up when I've asked this question. Um, clearly, biking is fun, everyone, especially when it feels safe. And you kind of forget that over the wintertime. And then all of a sudden, like the snow clears, the rain slows down, and you get to hop on your bike. And it's wild how good it feels to move your body just a little bit, to feel the wind in your hair underneath your helmet because we're being safe. And, and just to be able to sort of like, I don't know, it's a means of not only transportation that's effective and efficient, but also like it's a little like commuting with nature every day, which is very cool. Uh, Dave, what is something that brings you joy in the city? What I do is I walk upon the street and feel elated by the existence of anything at all. Wow. And another thing I do is that I do not forsake my friends, Stefan. Mm. I do not let them go. I mean, I'll let them go if they need to go, but <laughs> every time I see them, I guarantee them with a simple presence of mutual recognition that um, that one that one has been known and one and one is continued to be known because people people seem to allow some people seem to allow friendships to disappear and then they feel that they can't regain them, but in fact. If you see an old friend, even if you haven't seen them for a little while, you can simply be there and then you know that nothing has really changed between the two of you. And uh, as the years go by, that uh, is a very warming uh, event to continue to have occurring. If you want to tell us what brings you join the city while also donating to CIOT, you can do so in this upcoming music break, 416-946-7800, 
or toll-free at 1-888-204-8976. Or go to CIT.FM again and come hang out at TuneIn. It will be truly a great time. There are five musical acts, multiple artists, actually only one artist. There were Maximilian, Maximilian Swiro will be decorating this place with some text art. Perfect for the space. Do you have? You have, I heard you have a couple of speakers now. You got speakers. Yes, there are two two speakers confirmed already. Uh, M. A. Ma, the executive director of Toronto, of Toronto Environmental Alliance, and Kevin Rupasing, uh, who is a advocate, a, a Scarborough advocate, uh, who ran in the last uh, last election. Both wonderful folks, and we're, we're probably one more. And again, about ten different community organizations. All of them are doing some amazing work. So you can meet some amazing people, you can listen to some amazing music, and you can have a joyful time envisioning a city that we can all be proud of. May 18th, you can do this. That's May 18th. Go to greenmajority.ca slash tune in. Um, Also, Stefan and I are going to hop on the phones now as we go to this music break. And in fact, throughout this whole episode, we are on the phones. And so if you would like to speak with us on the phone, at any point in time in this hour, um, we are on the phones. 416-946-7800. 416-946-7800. Or you can go to ciut.fm and you can donate to CIUT. Keep the independent spirit alive. And we're going to play a song by yours truly. I am singing on this track. I am yelling on this track band is called Yound. We are playing at Tune In uh, May 18th. Uh, So this song is called Holy Lights by Yound. Tragedies gone, bodies piling, catacombs becoming bones now ignited with pressing light. Here is the lively light, the achievement, the colored streams sounding clamor, sparkling sounds and sound from strands of light. Always in splendor, you in splendor, for you live always enshrined in shears of flickering colors, failing light. Oh, I'm 
And welcome back to the Green Majority on the beautiful CIUT 89.5 FM. Your local community radio station, Toronto's only independent radio station on the FM dial, keeping the independent spirit alive, the sound of your city. And if you're listening to us on another radio station, we apologize. We are fundraising for CIUT right now. Shall we do the news? Yes. Uh, And before we dive into the news that you have, I just want to highlight that if folks aren't aware, there is some deep need going on out in Alberta with the unbelievably early wildfire situation. Over a hundred fires are burning across the province. Many of them are out of control. Over 30,000 people have been forced already to flee their homes, with uh, Indigenous communities being some of the most hardest hit. There is a big, deep need out there if you can support in any way you can. It's very early. Like, the fire season often in in Alberta and B.C. is is much later. You know, some of the significant fires we saw in B.C. that we've talked about in the show, that we've talked about in the show, happened in, like, late August. So the fact that this is happening so early is, is really a concern, both for how these communities will survive over the next few months, but also for our general planet's well-being. Yeah, I think it can't sort of be understated. Um, wildfire season is has been especially devastating the last few years, kind of regardless of, of the political situation in, in Alberta. But I think we need to really highlight the fact that under this current conservative government, wildfire firefighting programs were in some ways rolled back and experienced cuts. And that has resulted in a slightly less robust approach to wildfire fighting this season in in Alberta. From what I understand, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who um, was a previous firefighter himself, still has lots of folks and friends who currently engage in that line of work. And they were saying that it's the number of volunteer firefighters they're having to rely on this year is is profound. And I know specifically in an article I was reading, it was talking about programs that allowed firefighting teams to get into really remote areas and contain fires before they spread too far and before they got into areas that were really heavily populated. That program has been cut. So in addition to being tied to issues around climate change and our lack of responsiveness and and, and adaptive measures to, to climate change, I think it's also an opportunity for us to really dwell on the fact that this is what happens when we allow conservative governments to get into power and roll back public funding for really important programs like this as a result of like austerity measures. And also just a, another reminder that we we need to heavily invest in adaptive measures going forward. And adaptive measures in this country include robust and well-funded firefighting programs. From that, you want to dive into the, the next bit of news, Dave? Well, first, I will just remind everybody that if you are listening to this live on the radio on CIUT 89.5, you may call 416-946-7800. That's 416-946-7800. And you can donate to CIUT to keep this radio station chugging. And allow it to grow as well. Allow it to grow. Or you can go to CIUT 89.5 FM. Yeah, it's a CIUT.FM. Oh. CIUT.FM. My apologies. That is CIUT.FM. And you can donate to the station. Yeah. If you enjoy the station. And you do, because you're listening to it. Unless you're hate listening to the station. In which, In which case, case, you will donate anyway. You will hate donate to the station. If you donate $100,000 and hate donate. 1-800-HATE-DONATE. <laughs> so the first story, three activists with the Stop Cop City movement in Atlanta have been arrested, denied bond, 
held in solitary confinement and are facing up to 20 years in jail for distributing flyers from a van. The flyers name one of the cops who participated in shooting the activist Tortuguita 57 times, killing them in January. Two things that sort of highlight from this story. Uh, the first is that this sort of threatening of incredibly long and arduous jail times is something that we saw in Standing Rock, which actually we'll cover in the next story briefly, which often led to people taking plea deals, even if they were themselves innocent, uh, just to not risk losing you know, the rest of their lives. And that these three activists are actually separate from a different 23 people who were charged earlier in this sort of fight against Cop City uh, with domestic terrorism. And all of this, again, is really and the, the, the it's a in some ways it attempts to dissuade people from interacting and, and from engaging with this, because if you know that any attempt to be a part of it will lead you to 20 you know, 20-year sentences potentially, then that is a pretty significant risk you are taking in comparison to, uh, you know, what would be a more normal amount of, of uh, what, you'd, what you'd expect from some of the actions these people have taken. You know, like the 23 people who got charged with domestic terrorism were basically, I believe, part of a uh, a concert that was happening in the space that they were told they had to, yeah, had to leave. Mud on the shoes, mud on the shoes was the evidence that the cops used. And this really just indicates the vindictive nature of the cops. I mean, you, the, growing up, you sort, I sort of got the impression that they're just there to do the law and like that's their whole thing. It's just the letter of the law. But really, they're just, they're an organization of self-interested career individuals who will do every, everything in their power to make sure that they, that they advance the interests of like the organization. So. Well, yeah, and that's, and that's the, which leads to that really leads directly to the second thing that I should mention, because I think it's easy to miss sometimes in these stories, which is how significantly the story of Tortuguita's death has changed since it was first reported. You know, the day after we had uh, the day after we, all we had was the police line that there was there had been shots fired by both directions and that one protest protester had been killed. Shortly after that, there was an audio release that seemed to imply that potentially police had shot themselves. Then later, an autopsy results found that no gunpowder was on Tortuguita's hands, implying that they did not fire any weapon, and that they were shot with their hands up 57 times, as Dave just mentioned. And so you have to sort of ask yourself where the accountability is in how in, is for how different these realities are, and why time and time again we allow for these police narratives to be so fundamentally different from reality. And unless we sort of hold the people who tell us these stories at the beginning to account, we're going to continue to be lied to, and you're going to continue to have these sort of like drip, drip, drip of information that tries to protect everyone as much as possible, you know, which is really damaging for any attempt to establish any trust whatsoever, which is very bad given the nature of these conversations. Uh, just the ending of what you're saying there, Stephen, <clears throat> why you want, you want to know why we allow, what is it, allow police narratives to be to be biased? Well, why after they are proved to be biased, the people who are giving them are not, uh, you know, reprimanded, right? Like if, if every time you hear a narrative and it turns out to be a lie, that should come with repercussions, right? Like there's, there, that would be how a reasonable society would respond to these things, right? Like it is ludicrous that we allow for opposite. <clears throat> All right. And, uh, <clears throat> Next story. Newly released documents reveal that the security company Tiger Swan used the Standing Rock protests back in 2016-2017 to build 
a model of surveillance and data collection against indigenous activists and environmentalists that it has been marketing to other oil companies since. Tiger Swan was founded by a retired elite army commander uh, and was operating in North Dakota without a license for months during the protests. It has been selling its product uh, as a counterinsurgency against activists. The company therefore thinks of its own activity as a corporate private military service to be used against peaceful American protesters in the United States. All I can think of here is that you know this counterinsurgency technology as it's as it's being labeled by by the developer. I don't know. It's it's not going to be used against far right quote unquote activists. Um it's it's going to really only ever be used against folks like the ones who were at Standing Rock and the ones who were um and continue to occupy Cop City or the the forest that is under threat to be turned into cop city it's this is one of those situations where i don't know it it always makes me when i hear stories like this it makes me think of a book that came out several years ago called this is an uprising it has a it's a really great um kind of toolkit for activists and organizers and talks a lot about like the marriage of kind of like mass movement politics and um grassroots organizing at like a deep personal level. And one of the um, fights it sort of points to um, as an example for how this can work is, I cannot remember the name of the effort, please forgive me, um, but it was, uh, I believe in Croatia or Eastern Europe. And um, and it was, it was, a, it was a student movement, um, anti-fascist, uh, left-wing in nature, but it was talking about how like the success of those students ultimately getting the police to be on side with them and how that sort of turned the tide in the effort um, for, for this movement. And I always think um, how unlikely that is to have been um, for, for progressive and leftist organizers here um, in um so-called Canada in so-called North America, um, because here at least, and actually from what I understand in, in most of Europe and most of, in most of the Western world, um, the police forces are, are, are always allied with, with the forces of fascism, because ultimately they're, they're fighting for the same thing. They're fighting for the same cause. So it's, it's one of those things where similar to how, um, folks in Ottawa were really freaked out about the prospect of police injunctions being used against, um, the convoy back in 2022 because it set a precedent for for then those tactics being used against left-wing organizers in the future um i think this is i don't know this is another one of those things where we need to always remember that we as progressive organizers and activists are, are treated differently from those on the right and use of tools like this one is kind of an example of that and will continue to be an example of that does any of that make sense was that a weird rant uh, no, I mean, I think it, it, I think it makes sense. To me, what makes this particular uh, story so terrifying, and I really, I really wrote like it's downright terrifying when I was reviewing it, is that this is a private company, right? Like the, the reason why, or one of the re main reasons why you can imagine this never really being used against other forces is that it's being sold to oil companies. It's being sold to companies that have exclusive interest in continuing this kind of um, control over people who want to see their lands protected. And and the fact that it was specifically, it's a data collection 
service for the people who like it will only be useful because as a data collection service if it is specifically targeting the same sets of people again and again and again right like it's designed specifically to protect corporate interests from left-wing agitation or or indigenous-led agitation because i think that should be considered separate in some in some important ways um and that is truly scary right like the idea that you might find some level of oversight that exists within within police forces, which obviously is consistently fought against, and that's you know no, nowhere should that be considered a a perfect thing. But like this is completely even outside of any attempt to be able to control that. And I really don't know how you can put this genie back in the bottle. You know, like the more often you're going to see these corporate entities being able to hire other corporate police, basically, then the further you expect, or, or the more often that the government sort of takes further steps back in 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 not engaging in these types of protests we'll only end up having these types of things where with where protesters will be meeting private security and th- and that dynamic is only going to be terrible right like how on earth it, what is the legal response of protesters who are being illegally surveilled <laughs> by these security companies to push back, right? There's almost nothing there. They, they, they have well, almost I mean, no hope. To what, to what degree is it illegal? They were, they were operating for a few months without a license, and then eventually, and they were fined, but they were the fine was was insignificant. Right, but then they use um, that, and then they, and then they got a license to do it. So right. I, I feel like they're allowed to, they're legally allowed to do it, which is even scarier, right? Like that to me is even is even worse. Like if you can allow these poor, these private security companies to collect data against peaceful protesters how quickly does that get down to some really really scary places right like i don't know it it, to me this is just like one of those stories that will probably stick in my brain for a while as as yet another example of just like really where things could go quite sour yeah it's like it's like it's like a colonial i mean it's 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 classic colonial boomerang right because the the guy who runs tiger swan was an elite military commander in the united states so he's using what he learned as a U.S. military commander to to um, conduct a, a military campaign against U.S. citizens. Yeah. Should we go to a music break? Is that what is desired? I mean, I just, I just think it's, it's now 31 minutes, right? All right. In that case, we will go. No, those... We're, we're, those, I mean, are those climate stories? I don't know. More, more specifically climate stories we will return with. More directly, climate stories we will return with. And if you need a big pick-me-up, you can, again, call us on the phone and tell us about something that brings you joy in this city or in the city that you live in by calling 416-946-7800 or just go to CIUT.FM and click Donate or scroll further down than that and grab your ticket to tune in, which will be, again, a joyful time. Despite the onslaught of depressing stories, we will continue to give you when you return. There is joy to be had and found and celebrated. And so I hope you do it with us. We will not be doing a dour one-hour news segment in the middle of the tune-in event. That's that's a promise. That's a (laughs) promise. And this next track is called Get It by Camdillo Gold. Camdillo Gold, Haitian-Canadian rapper who will be performing on May 18th. Tune in May 18th. Camdillo Gold. Get it. My shooters go shoot. I hate 
be someone Seems like each day was meant to break me Even relatives could relate Yeah, they thought I was crazy Come a miracle gon' happen someday Cause this hood ain't gon' be my life forever Another case, another homie I gotta bury memories, I'll treasure We were made from these streets Now they took his soul, so which road Do I follow to my destiny? Ain't nothing come free Even these better times Feels like it's kill or die I'll be killed, but I can't die Ain't no way you'll take what's mine I've been hungry my whole life, yeah My shooters gon' shoot I haters who hate This money gon' make I'm just tryna be great They told me just wait But I can't take breaks It's never too late I'ma do what it takes If you want it, then you gotta go get it They know I want it, so I'ma go get it CIUT 89.5 FM. It is a beautiful day, maybe. I don't know. This is a Wednesday. You are listening on a Friday or later. And this is the annual, semi annual, biannual. Is biannual the term? Biannual, yeah. Or does that no, mean that semi annual? Yeah. Semi annual fundraising drive for the radio station CIUT 89.5 FM, Canada's Toronto's only independent station on the FM dial, free from corporate sponsorship and you can donate at 416-946-7800 is that right mm-hmm. 416-946-7800 and you can support this station or you can go to ciut.fm and donate to this station as well and we are continuing with some climate news all right, so the oceans have spiked in temperature recently, and scientists aren't really sure why. Uh, could be an El Ni- could be a delayed El Nino thing after El Nino. Could be something they're not too sure about. Um, and a new study has found that ice sheets are capable of collapsing much faster than what has been feared. 
So this doesn't mean that the ice sheets are collapsing faster than the atmosphere. It means that they looked into the past at the last big glacial melt, and they were like, oh, that actually happened more rapidly than we thought possible. And it has to do with the deep, deep ocean temperatures rising and how that, that works with the ice. I don't know the exact details, but... Oh, that's 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 a fun fun news. Uh, quickly, there's a there's a graph out there that folks haven't seen that shows the daily sea average surface temperatures uh, in the world's oceans that are between 60 degree latitude lines, and they 2022 was the hottest uh, year for oceans, and 2023 uh, starting in April, this line basically sort of goes off the chart. It's and every other year it begins to dip back down. At this point in time, around April twenty in April each year, and this time it doesn't. It just sort of keeps going up and then stays flat above twenty one degrees Celsius, which is itself an unprecedented global global average. So we are in unprecedented territory in terms of in terms of this. We will see if it eventually goes down. Maybe it will just be a longer dip, but this is some warm water out there. Is what I'm saying. I might recommend that any listeners after this episode, go hop on your bike, go inject some joy (laughs) into your life. Oh, yeah. This is uh, this is uniquely brutal. I mean, but the thing about TuneIn is it's exclusively joy based. So if they do hop on their bike, they will only get positivity during that event. Uh, So while you're not wrong, this is some rough news and it only gets worse as a heads up. I mean, I mean, this is literally a climate and environment show oh yes so there's just uh there's no way to avoid the facts no there's not um so a new study has found that certain chlorofluorocarbons or cfcs are back on the rise after they were banned for putting a hole in the ozone layer cfcs are created when making chemical refrigerants for air conditioners um only a small group of these are increasing so they aren't likely to harm the ozone but they're still powerful greenhouse gases. So if you hear this news, don't think to yourself that we're putting another hole in the ozone layer. The hole, the hole in the ozone layer is still there, but they're ex- it's expected to fully close up by, I think, 2066. This is above above the Arctic. Uh, well, that's some good news. Dave, did the, did the story that this is pulling from say why we're seeing CFCs again? Because I thought, my understanding was the Montreal Protocol came out banned the use of CSEs in place of hydrochlorofluorocarbons, which don't which essentially doesn't allow the the chlorofluorocarbon molecule to to be as detrimental and damaging to ozone. Where where are these new CFCs coming from? Do we know? Many of the types of CFCs have decreased, but a f- but and but a few of them have begun to increase again in the last decade. So there was a bigger drop, but then it, a few of them have sort of started to creep back up a little bit. Um yeah, for reasons that they don't entirely know. They say are more uncertain. Okay, so methane in the atmosphere increased last year by its fourth highest jump ever. The jump was reported by the National Association of uh, the National Organization, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, that's NOAA, uh, as part of a general study of the overall rise of greenhouse gas emissions. So Rick Spinrad of NOAA said, quote, The observations collected by NOAA scientists in 2022 show that greenhouse gas emissions continue to rise at an alarming pace and will persist in the atmosphere for thousands of years. The time is now to address greenhouse gas pollution and to lower human-caused emissions as we continue to build toward a climate-ready nation. I thought this statement was interesting. This is 
um, the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, United States, saying, as we continue to build toward a climate ready nation. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that is a very optimistic statement. Like that is that is that is a Biden guy front head to toe just like we are continuing to build towards a climate ready nation we are ready for climate change meanwhile he's saying these are increasing at an alarming pace so it's like i mean yeah it's uh it's got a bit of it's got a bit of biden spin on it for sure this is a scientist Um, being like you know we should probably do something here (laughs) uh well the one thing i would i would just highlight quickly for folks on this is just how important the it with how important it is that we don't let ourselves get entirely suckered into only focusing on carbon as the only greenhouse gas. You know, there, there's a one of the main problems with things like uh, trying to presume that just sucking carbon out of the atmosphere or something like that will solve the problems is that there are many other causes of green global warming, like methane. And methane comes from, you know, a lot of the work that you see in the oil in the oil industry. And so even if you remove all of the carbon that comes from sequestering, even if you sequester all of the carbon that comes from creating the oil, which you won't, but even if you did, you still are not solving it when you burn it, and you are still not solving the methane before that happens when it's making it. And so there are these other significant problems that exist. And methane is huge. You know, methane is, is again, the part of the problem with, previously we talked to the uh, the Say No to LNG campaign about global shipping. And that is also where methane comes in. You know, like, it's all over the place. And so we have to really have a understanding and appreciation that there are many different kinds of global, many different types of greenhouse gases. And so we can't sort of get so focused in on just carbon and allow the rest of these because we'll continue to see temperature increase if we don't solve for all of it. I always say one day we should have so-and-so on, but we really should have somebody on to talk about methane regulations within um, so-called Canada because there are federal methane regulations. And and I believe either a new regulation is dropping or an updated regulation is dropping. So we should get somebody on to explain that who has more knowledge than any of us do. Yes, and that also presents a great opportunity Right, because methane is short-lived in the atmosphere and very strong. So if we get, we can something potential to to cut down quickly in terms of short-term climate change. Yeah, exactly. Um, moving on, most of Southeast Asia has been cooking under record-setting heat in recent weeks. Climate analyst Dr. Fahid Dr. Fahad Saeed said, "Quote: The poorest of the poor are going to suffer the most, especially." It is devastating for the farming community, the people who are dependent on agriculture or fishing. So a major heat wave in Southeast Asia. A group of 19 scientists working for World Weather Attribution have concluded that the drought that has gripped East Africa for two and a half years was caused by climate change. They state that the climate crisis did not impact rainfall in the region, but the extra heat caused the soils to dry up. The drought is likely to happen again within the next decade. And the wording of this article was odd because it implied that the drought is over, um, but I have no idea if it is. Um, so, I mean, I think these types of stories, when considered hand in hand with some of the stories around sort of like fire, because in previous, 
in previous studies, they've shown that fire and especially forest fires are one of the strongest drivers of people taking climate change seriously. Like people will, if there are fires in the news stories, that sort of because it so directly connects to heating planet that people will become more in concerned about climate change. The louder stories exist around in front forest fires. But those of us in Canada cannot just wait until, you know, we are devastated by forest fires to recognize that we have to be a part of these global uh, global attempts to protect and provide funding for these nations that are that are poor and and need the support you know like lauren you've 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 engaged with the sort of international community more than i have but you come you've often spoken about the need to provides the loss and damage funds and stuff like that which we constantly hear about in the national stage but don't even really get don't break through, I think, the under, the conversations on climate that we have here outside of environmental circles. You know, like I don't think that the average person walking around even would even begin to guess what loss and damage funds mean. And that's a real problem, you know, because then you see these fun, these either heat waves or, or droughts that are in these nations that did not cause the problem. But unless we as Canadians can appreciate that it is our responsibility to help these orgi- these orgi- these places and these people we're just going to keep sort of allowing it to get worse. And that's, you know, that is truly bad. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of that conversation that that hasn't even started to happen yet, um, even, even from what I understand at the international level, is that at a certain point, yes, the conversation, at least internationally, around um, loss and damage funding going to um, least developed countries in the global south is on its way. It's slow moving, not nearly as fast as you would like as we would like to see it happening. But but it, at least it is it is on its way. It's it's been on the official agenda at COP um, it, for at least one year now, and, and it will be going forward. Um, but it's a conversation we haven't really started to have domestically in so called Canada. And when you realize that there are especially like like what you'd mentioned earlier when when we were talking about the forest fires so many of those communities within so-called Canada that are most deeply impacted by things like those wildfires or um farther north where um the loss of um arctic ice is 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 feeling is being felt really acutely we have to sort of reckon with the idea that loss and damage um reparations might also need to be paid to communities that are experiencing the worst effects of climate change within within the country that we reside in as well. And that's a conversation that we haven't started to have like at all, really, because it's it's extremely complicated and throws into relief the incredible inequities within the within the spaces that we occupy and call home as well. And we're going to go to a final music break. I can't guarantee how long it will be, but it is a little bit of music and we will return with our final Climate News on CIUT 89.5 FM, and you can call 416-946-7800, 416-946-7800, and you can donate to CIUT 89.5 FM, or you can go to CIUT.FM and donate online. Or, in addition, you can attend the May 18th concert fundraiser at the Great Hall, Longboat Hall, back of the Great Hall, uh, May 18th, wonderful time, Will and Sue. Joy everywhere. Stefan is going to be f- spilling from the eyeballs the <laughs> great divine joy of creation itself nonstop from that event 
until his body leaves this earthly plane. That is a green majority guarantee. And finally, we have another song by myself yelling on the track by the band called Yound. The song is called Drywall. You can hear us play May 18th at Tune In. The song is called Drywall by Yound. Y-O-U-N-D. Take it away.
wouldn't have married you. By God, I wouldn't have married you if it wasn't in the contract, okay? There was something that we signed. No, it wasn't just, it wasn't just the sign, the thing, the thing that you signed saying you're married legally and all that. No, no. There was something else that we signed. I think there was something else that we signed, and I think you remember signing that too. It was a happy day for us. It was a happy day for us, but you know what else it was? It was me securing my future against your betrayal. Against your betrayal. Because, because, I mean, I mean, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get something going, man. I'm just trying to get something going for myself. And if I walk into a room again, and I see that, 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 that the tiles and the parking were, 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 we had planned, yes, they were, were, we had planned over And we are back with the Green Majority on CIUT 89.5 FM fundraising drive for the station. If you are listening to this elsewhere, you're going you're gonna to want to donate anyway, even if you are on, on, the, on the Arctic ice sheets waiting to drift off into the cold ocean. Um, 416-946-7800. Give us a ring. Let us know what what joy to, I feel like your question changed first it was like what do you do to get joy and it's like how can Toronto become joyful no, no. the question the, the question that the event itself is surrounded by okay. is how can we build a joyful city the question yes. I'm asking our listeners now yes. is what how are you already finding joy how are you finding joy in the city okay. exactly okay and you can let us know what brings you joy in this great city um, by calling that number, 416-946-7800, and donating to CIUT 89.5 or CIUT.FM, donate to this independent community radio station, free of corporate influence. And we are just going to finish off our show here with some more environmental news. So the European Union, the EU, has finalized its carbon border tax, which is the world's first carbon border tax. The legislation ensures that more low-carbon goods, which are more expensive to produce, will not be outpriced by cheaper high-carbon goods. China and the African Climate Foundation have expressed concern that the tax will greatly hurt poorer countries who rely on trade with the EU. So here's an illustration of what climate policies in the north can actually can actually do to damage uh countries elsewhere i mean um, but y- this is both like 
I think this is interesting because it pushes back against the concept of sort of free trade, right? Like free trade has been used as the idea that it will bring prosperity to to the poor nations. And yet more often than not, it ends up bringing, well, maybe slightly higher wages, still some truly horrendous conditions. And so I, I think that this is an interesting way to engage with climate action that sort of pushes back against the idea that free trade is the only way to do things. You know, like I think that you have to, you can't just do this and not be, you know, paying into loss and damage funds and stuff like that. That's obvious. But I do think it's important to find ways to, you know, push back against these global companies that will go wherever they can find the cheapest, um, the cheapest workers, and then trying to use that to undermine more locally created goods. Right, carbon leakage—they call that. I learned today. Oh, there you go. When I when a company leaves the country that has climate uh, carbon legislation, greenhouse gas emissions legislation, in order to produce it in another country and then just sell those goods back to the original country. All right, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, has ruled that five lawsuits against oil companies shall remain in state court. They refused to heal to hear the appeals of the oil companies that were saying, please make this a federal uh, court case. The lawsuits have been brought by states and cities against major oil companies for lying about climate change to protect their profits. Uh, so these uh, the, it's ones the state of Rhode Island and then some other municipalities uh, are saying that the oil companies need to be held accountable for uh, the climate damage that they're seeing. Um, so keeping the cases in state courts is seen as worse for the companies. Since, as Emma Ricketts puts it for Inside Climate News, keeping it local will make the cases about damages, whereas a federal context, in a federal context, the companies could make arguments about energy security and the Clean Air Act. Um, and I'll just do the last one finally. A federal appeals court in the U.S. has revoked a water permit for the Mountain Valley Natural Gas Pipeline in West Virginia. This was Joe Manchin's uh, baby, and it's you know apparently it's ninety five ninety percent completed, but it's still being still be, it's, it's it's got a lot of court losses, had some wins, and it's just taking a long time. Well, there you go. We give you two positive stories to end off the show to head into the rest of your Friday with a little bit of joy. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can still call us at 416-9467800. Yes. Uh, or donate at cut.fm where you can click donate or scroll right past that donate button, but don't do that. Donate still. But then also come and hang out with us on May 18th. That's next Thursday. Hope to see you there. It will be truly a great time. Wonderful musicians, great community organizations, great speakers. Awesome time. Thanks so much. A green majority event. First in a while.